okay? Um, and so we'll move on from that. Today we have the great privilege of having a speaker who's been here many times in the past. His name is Chris Ball. Um, since he was last year, he became the president of Elam Fellowship, which is the covering organization over our church and over Kelly and I as, as ordained ministers of the gospel. And um, God's using him mightily. Um, there's a fresh vision for Elam Fellowship. I'm excited for where it's going and the direction it's going in. I'm excited that he's uh, leading that charge. In fact, there's also a personal relationship with, that Kelly and I have with Chris and Carol Ball. And uh, it's a great privilege to have them here today to minister to you and to me and to all of us. So would you stand to your feet and welcome Chris Ball to the stage today? Thank you. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mrs. Brown. Okay. Uh, my wife was the one that had the prophetic word earlier, uh, Carol. She's the director of the women's ministries at Elam Fellowship, and she travels with me, and sometimes I travel with her. And today, uh, I'm the speaker, and so she's traveling with me, and we, we're a great tag team. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we just flow, and uh, we're just so grateful that we, we are called together in uh, ministry. So stand up and wave one more time. Say hi to my wife, would you? Amen. Amen. Uh, it's uh, like, this is like um, really cool. In the first service, it didn't happen in the second service because in the second service, I was tired and sat down during worship. But uh, in the first service, I, um, I really felt like this really, uh, real d- deep appreciation for um, the fact that God allowed, uh, you know, and has allowed, uh, you know, me to be connected with this church for many, many years. Now, I said that last time I visited, which was about a year ago, and, uh, but here's the difference. Uh, today, it was really, especially, especially with what I'm going to speak this morning, is that, you know, I'm going to talk about God knowing the plans he has for us and that kind of thing, and, uh, and I was thinking, who would have thought the days when I stood on this roof and hammered nails, who would have thought before my even children were born that God would eventually bring my daughter to be on staff with your, with her husband here at this church. Who would have thought, you know? Well, I'll tell you who would have thought. God thought of it, okay? And, uh, and it just, there was such a deep appreciation for me. I, I can't imagine a, a better church than my kids could be at and under uh, great leaders uh, as, such as pastors uh, uh, Jim and Kelly. I just am thankful for that. Um, I don't know who is going to Moralia. If you're a parent here and your kids are going to Moralia, raise your hand if you're a parent here and your kids are going to Moralia. Good. Let me just say something about that. Um, uh, th- this will be really good. A few years back, I took a whole team of people to Israel and uh, and uh, they were all nervous because you know, you know it's just like God uh, to to just cause us to pray more. Uh, you know, some bomb went off in Israel a couple of weeks before we would go to Israel, so everybody on the team was scared. And I had somebody um, come to our church and as a guest, and they they just shared a really good word for us. No no bombs gone off in Moralia, but let me just say I've been to Moralia I think five times. In fact, I'm going in April to do a leadership conference in Moralia, Moralia, Mexico. We have a a network of churches in Moralia. I'm very, very connected with the leader over those churches. And one of the 
biggest churches there in Moralia itself. Uh, um, uh, the pastor is a good, good friend of mine. I've spoken in that church. Uh, listen, Malone, New York is more dangerous than Moralia right now. So you know what I'm saying? Come on. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, I just want to just give those of you who love these kids, the parents in particular, uh, uh, you know, just a real peace in your heart. I'm going to speak that into your life. Uh, they'll be under good leadership with my daughter. I've taken our daughter uh, over all over the world. And David uh, and, and Sarah just went to Kenya with us. They're great leaders. They'll be safe. They'll be great as long as your kids behave themselves. On second thought, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but, but the truth is, is uh, let, me, let me tell you, it, this is what I know. When they go to Moralia, Mexico, they're going to do things that they could do in Syracuse, New York. They're going to care for kids. They're going to mess, mess around with a VBS thing, I think. They're going to do all kinds of things. And my daughter didn't know I was going to say all this, but I just felt like the Lord spoke this to me in, in, in the first service to speak this. But here's the difference. They're going to be outside of their comfort zone. And what I've found is when we start ministering outside of our comfort zone, we have to trust God. Amen? And your kids are going to come back to this church, and it will greatly, uh, you know, uh, impact this church. Because, you know, the Bible says that he only uses adults, right? Because <laughs> when the kids come back, they're going to come back, and their contagiousness of what God does in them will be infectious to you. Amen? And so it's going to change your church. Anytime we sent out from our church, uh, we sent 56, tri- uh, 56 people on trips. Uh, the last year I was pastoring my church was just last year. 56 te- uh, people went on uh, nine teams all around the world. And my church is richer for it financially, better for it. Are you with me? And, well, I'm talking about the finances. I don't know where things are at with the money and the kids. But some of us, you know, what we do is we tend to rest in that beautiful verse in the Bible. Most of us Christians uh, quote it, and it's this. It's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider, right? I mean, that's what we, we say all the time. But we focus on the word provider. But what I've noticed with that word Jehovah Jireh, we really internally think of my provider, most of the time we quote that verse thinking, I have a need right now, but Jehovah Jireh is my provider. In the last couple of years, the Lord has been speaking to Carol and I. It was a big financial cut for Carol and I to leave a church after 27 years. But we, we got to go where we're called. And he is not just our provider. He's, watch this, Elohim, which is a God of more than enough. When you only see God as my provider... It's all about us. But when you see him as Elohim, it's because he wants to give you so much to bless others. Amen? So I just want to exhort you as a church, don't let these young people have the burden of paying for their tickets. Don't let these young people have to give them some money and get that over with. Then give them more than enough so that when they get there, they can give it to the kids that they're going to touch. Come on. Everybody said amen? Come on. You're clapping like you're at a golf game, like you really don't mean it, you know? I mean, just reach into your neighbor's pocket and give what you want. All right, come on. So um, let's see. Did I say everything I wanted to say uh, as introduction? Uh, Carol and I have been in transition, as Jim introduced. uh, uh, We are... um, we are now the president, I, not we, I'm the president of Elam Fellowship, uh, and I'm just Chris, you know, I'm still just me, which can be really dangerous. You know how many times I've said to people, 
Oh, God, help Elam Fellowship right now, you know, because I know me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I'm just going to be me. Uh, my, my, uh, the assistant pastor that I, Carol and I turned the church over to uh, Michelle and Derek Loperfito, and, uh, and he said to me, Chris, just be yourself. So I'm trying to be the best me I can be, which is, can be very dangerous. Uh, but, but I'm trying to be the very best me. And, uh, and so be praying for us. I really do believe that God wants to do some amazing things with Elon Fellowship. And, uh, and uh, Jim, I thought, did just a tremendous job. Uh, I love the spirit of the way he talked about the Supreme Court decision. I just think that's excellent in the way he spoke this morning. And uh, I just want to confirm what he is saying. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to write a paper, I think, in the next couple of days to send out to the Elam pastors and stuff. And I know it I'll get some feedback because some people don't think I need to be meaner than what maybe I am. But I think the spirit that Jim represented is the spirit of Elam Fellowship. And that is this. Jesus said uh, in John 1, he says, when I came, I came full. And he came full of two things. He came full of grace and truth. Okay? He came full of grace and truth. And I know the church is, you know, we're messed up, most of us, all right? Come on. And, and sometimes we focus on one or the other, but God came in focused on both. And so if you're focused only on grace, you have a cheap gospel. Come on. You can, you can let anything fly. And so you got to have a mixture of both. If you're focused only on truth, everybody's going to hell. Are you with me? Because the letter of the law kills. Are you with me? So Jesus comes as an expression of no compromise on the word, but at the same time showing grace for those of us who violate the word. And if last I checked, I was, I was, I was listening to an interview by um, this, 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 this speaker I like. What was his name? Tell me who was I was listening to. You can't remember me either. <laughs> Okay, you should remember when I forget. <clears throat> Judah Smith, I just remembered. I was listening to Judah Smith on an interview, and he was doing a Q&A thing in his church, which, by the way, we did that. Have you ever done that? It's dangerous. All right, but we did that. And somebody asked the question, what do you think about homosexuals coming to your church? What do you think about that? Well, first of all, there's probably one or two that are in this congregation. You just need to love everybody like everybody. But anyway, uh, he said, what I think you're really asking me is this question. Uh, what do I think about sinners in my pew? And he said, every Sunday, every Sunday I have a, a church full of them. Come on. Are you with me? Uh, but for the grace of God go I. Amen? And so God is still working on us. He's still trying to go after us. So let us be a church, just like Jim said, of, uh, that's expressing truth. And also expressing grace, grace and truth, amen? And then you also, my wife told me, but I don't have time because i got a sermon uh, to preach, and that is uh, we also need to be people of spirit and word, amen? So you can't just have word that kills. It beats people. But if you have the Holy Ghost come on that word, as in Romans 8, not just Romans 7, but Romans 8, now the word can come alive in us. Are you with me? So turn to somebody and say, that guy's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> I love myself. All right, moving on. Okay. Some of you want to follow in the Bible, so let's just turn to a verse. Um, Jeremiah chapter uh, 29. Jeremiah chapter 29 is where I'm going to go. I'm not going to read it yet. I'll read it in a few minutes. But this is, a, 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 the Lord has put a couple of words on my heart. In fact, you know what? One of the words that the Lord has put on my heart is a, is a sermon that I actually uh, developed for this church. 
a few years back, and I preached it here on a Sunday, and I'm preaching that in churches all across America right now. It's a word he gave me here for this church, and I'm using it. It's a breaking free word. It's about how to get free, uh, and so I can't preach that because I already preached that here, and so uh, I said, Lord, what do you have? And the other word that I'm carrying is the word I'm going to give you. Uh, I'm carrying a third word, which is about giving, and so when uh, next time I come, I'll maybe give you that unless God gives me something fresh. I don't want to come into a church with a can word. I want to come into a church with the word that God has given me. Are you with me? And so, uh, uh, so this is a word that, uh, that God uh, has, uh, is using right now, and, and it's out of Jeremiah. I, I remember this vividly when I was preparing this message, that I used to be a car mechanic. I lived in Virginia with my dad, and when I was young, at 14 years of age, my dad was tearing apart you know, foreign cars, and I would change the clutches on cars and pull transmissions out of the cars and, uh, and all that. And then my job was to, you know, I was 16 years old when I had my license, and go down to the parts store and get the clutch and the release bearing and set, bring it back to put it back on the car and, you know, change the clutch on a car, you know, on a stick shift car. And so, but I, I, I remember specifically something that used to really tick me off, okay? And, and that was this. Uh, when I would go into the parts store, I have a check in my hand because I called them earlier and in that quick moment, they knew the parts, they knew me. I'm holding the check as I walk up to the counter, the phone rings, and they put me on hold. They say, excuse me just a minute, and they pick up, and they're talking to somebody that doesn't even know what they want yet, and I know what I want, and the parts are right there, and the check's in the hand, and they put me on hold, and it used to frustrate me, because it's like, I make my living off of taking those parts off of there and going back, and the quicker I put that part back in that car, I can make more money. You see what I'm saying? Because I can be on to the next car. And they would put me on hold. I would get irritated because I was put on hold. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you don't have to do much today to be put on hold. Like, all you have to do today is pick up the phone and make a phone call, and you could be 20 minutes before you talk to a real human being. You pick up the phone, you call Delta Airlines, and you, uh, if anyone works for Delta, it's my favorite airline. Okay, and so, uh, and, and, and you're, you're calling them, and, they're, and they're, they, they say, uh, do you this, and push one, put, English push three, you know, and, and, but I've learned to push zero, Right away. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to talk to somebody, not just be put on hold. Mike Cavanaugh recently preached a message at our, our meeting, and he took out his iPhone. How many of you got iPhones here? Okay, some of you are saved. All right, moving on. I got this iPhone. And on an iPhone, you can tell when somebody else is talking because there's this little dots. And it's like, okay, how come you're not answering me right now? Why are you putting me on hold? You know what I'm saying? And, and what I do is get frustrated when I'm put on hold. The title of my message today is this. If God puts you on hold, don't hang up. If God puts you on hold, say it with me, don't hang up. I believe that there's times in our lives that we believe that God has spoken to us. God is wanting to do things in our lives. And because it's like we're on hold still, there's a tendency for the church to hang up. In fact, I'll say this very clearly. One of the things is we cannot hang up during this season for, for America. Right now, we cannot give up on this nation. We must not hang up on God in these days. 
I was thinking of different ways in the Bible that people are put on hold. Jesus put everybody on hold. All the time, he told people, wait. The disciples said, is it, is it time yet? He goes, my time is not yet. Continually, we find Jesus putting people on hold. Mary and Martha said, hey, you put us on hold, Jesus. Your best buddy, Lazarus, was dying. And if you had come here, he would not have died. Why did you put us on hold? You waited four days when you could have been here. You're Jesus. And then I was thinking uh, about David in the Bible, the Old Testament David who was anointed to be king when he was just a shepherd boy. He knew he was supposed to be a king, but he was put on hold 16 years before he became the king, following a man who was the king who was absolutely miserable to follow. And God several times said to him when he wanted to take the guy out, don't take my anointed out. He was put on hold. Moses waited 40 years before he could even think about going into the wilderness and never really got there, into the wilderness. When when you're put on hold, it feels like forever, doesn't it? When when you're put on hold, it feels like forever. My wife had a doctor's appointment this week, and her uh, her wrist is really hurting her. And she went to the doctor, and, uh, and, and she found out that the person she made the appointment with told her the wrong day. So here we are with a painful wrist, and, the, and they wouldn't take her in. She's got an appointment on Tuesday. She was put on hold. And I've heard about it. Boy, I'll tell you that right now. When you, when you feel like you're putting and put on hold, your heart gets sick if, you, if you're not careful. Proverbs says it this way, Proverbs 13, 12, for the hope deferred makes the heart sick. During worship today, I wrote a couple of notes down because God began to speak to me in the first service in particular. Second service, he spoke to me, but I just sat down and relaxed while he talked. But he said, there's some of you in this room right here today that you really feel like you're on hold in your life. Some of you have heard prophetic words in your life where God spoke to you. And the day you heard it, this, your heart palpitated. It was like, ah, but it still hasn't been fulfilled. You're on hold. Some of you in this room have children that are absolutely rebels. They, they, if you would be, they, they'd be like the prodigal son or prodigal daughter. And they haven't returned yet. And you're a parent waiting. And it's like you've been put on hold. God promised you he'd bring that child back. Some of you are single and want to be married, and it's like you're on hold. Amen? No single people here. Okay. And uh, some of you are married and wish you were, uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Glory to God. Help me, Jesus. Some of you are married and your life is still a mess. When are we going to get to where we really dreamed this marriage would be? And it's on hold. Some of you haven't been healed like you thought you would be. He died 2,000 years ago, and that's when the healing took place. He just hasn't realized. And you're like, come on, God. Some of you are really looking for that job, and it hasn't come yet. You're still working in an area that you think, I wasn't called for this, and you're on hold. Some of you have financial jeopardy. How many are identifying a little bit what it means to be on hold? Anybody here? Raise your hand. Yeah. Well, in the book of Jeremiah, 
There's a verse that's quoted by Christians all the time. And if you're new today and you're not a believer and you haven't accepted Jesus yet, this is one of the verses when you finally come to Christ that you're going to really hold on to a lot of times. It's a verse in, in the Old Testament, and we say it all the time. And it says, is this verse, it says, I know the plans that I have you, says the Lord, the plans to prosper you, the plans to give you a hope and a future. And we quote that. It's my wife's favorite verse. She put it on her office wall in her office over at the church where we were at. But it wasn't until this year as I started looking at this word, I realized the context of this word came to a group of people who had been put on hold for 70 years. 70 years. In fact, the prophetic word is actually found in a letter that was written by the prophet Jeremiah back in Jerusalem. And he sends the letter through a messenger and said, please carry this letter to the people who are still there. There's elders still in Babylon held captive. I want you to take this letter to them and, and, and move it over to them because this, they're on hold. They're supposed to be in the city of our God, Jerusalem, but they've been held captive. And this is where the book of Jeremiah starts. To, we start to read this. If you have your Bibles and if you're reading on your uh, iPads, pods, or phones, or on the wall, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 is where we pick up the letter. This is where the letter is. It's written to those elders who are still stuck. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive to whom I've caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is my word to you. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, so that now we might have great-grandchildren. That's what it's saying. <laughs> and seek the peace of the city where, you have caused, where I have caused you. Look at that. Who caused them? God. Where I have caused you to be kept, kept captive. I didn't think God did that stuff. He does. For thus says the Lord of hosts, of God of Israel, verse 8. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor even listen to your own dreams for which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not even sent them, says the Lord. Then he says, he says this, uh, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. And, and cause you to return to this place. Here's the verse we quote. For I know the thoughts I have for you and think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And when you seek me and find me, when you search me with all, my heart, with all your heart. When you're on hold... And when it really seems like God put you on hold, the word of the Lord to you as a church today is don't hang up. But what do we do in the meantime? Let me tell you what I do and what I've learned Jeremiah is telling these folks to do. Number one, four action steps while you wait. Number one, stand fast and live for Christ. Let me say that again. Stand fast and live for Christ. He says it this way. Hey, listen, plant vineyards. Go ahead and go back to work. Marry wives. Produce sons. 
Give wives to those sons who will produce children who will marry again. In other words, you're going to be around a while. You're going to be on hold a while. It might not be that healing will come as quick as you want it to. Nobody wants to be sick long, but it might take some time to be in God's time. And all of a sudden, people quit on God because they're looking for the healing rather than looking for God. And the word of the Lord is stand fast in Christ. Live your life. Raise families. Produce children. And the next verse says, pray for the city Babylon, the evil city. Pray for the peace of that evil city. And while we're on hold right now, it seems like the nation of uh, United States of America is gone a little off, man. What happened? Pray for the peace of this country while we're on hold. Stand fast as Christians in Christ Jesus while we're on hold. Live for Christ. Make the most of your opportunity while the days are evil. I have a friend. His name is Moffat Kilioba. He actually came here and spoke, I think, in a home group with Pastor Jim. Good friend of mine. And uh, he has become like a brother from another mother. He's African. And he's the head of a movement in Kenya called Pefa Kenya. A wonderful, wonderful movement, 3,000 churches, and he's, he's my, like, co-partner. He's, like, uh, the president of that movement. We started at Elam Fellowship in the 50s. And, uh, and so Moffat, uh, when I'm in his living room over in Kenya, he says to me, Pastor Chris, my knees, man, my knees are killing me. I cannot walk on these legs. And I said, he said, do you have anybody that you know, a doctor that can help me in America? And I, I didn't. I mean, I'm, our church where we pastor, it's got more cows than people in that town. You know what I'm saying? We don't have doctors in our church over there. And uh, uh, people don't come to South Butler. They come to Onondaga Hill. You know what I'm saying? And we, so we didn't have lawyers and doctors. We had some wonderful people and built a great ministry uh, over there in South Butler. But we didn't have, I didn't have the connection. But I had God. And so I came back to the U.S., and I really prayed. I said, God, show me if there's any way I can help my good friend Moffat. Because over there, they don't have that, you know, in, in that part of Africa. They just do not have that kind of care. And so one day, about almost a year later, I was watching TV, and maybe a year and a half later, and I was watching the TV, and um, all of a sudden on TV, I was noticing there was a doctor right out of Syracuse University, State Hospital over here, who had went to Nepal to repair um, like hip joints and shoulder joints and that kind of stuff for Nepalese people for free. He took a team of 70 people. It's this whole organization that goes overseas to, this, to do this kind of stuff. So I thought, maybe this is an answer for Moffat. I said, could you go to Africa? He said, no. He said, uh, we just did a trip. You have no idea. It takes 70 people to go over and do this kind of thing with the anesthesiologists, the nurses, the rehab, all kinds of things. It's a major effort to do something like this. We basically take over a hospital. And I said, wow. I said, well, what if I brought my friend to America? Could you do it here? And he said, you don't know what you're asking. I mean, people are so crazy here. And I said, well, would you consider it? He said, yes, I will consider it. I called my friend Moffat. This was in about uh, April, uh, four years ago. And I said, Ma, hey, listen, uh, I think I'll find a doctor that's going to do your knees. Maybe he said he would consider it. I didn't realize he'd take me serious. He got on the next plane. He came and lived with us. <laughs> so I got this African pastor in our home. He's staying with us, eating my wife's food. 
And we just became closer and closer friends. But I told the doctor, I said, he's here. He goes, I didn't say yes. I said, well, he thinks you said yes. And so I, I kept talking to him, and I asked him if he could do anything. Finally, I said, can we at least come in and just have an appointment with you? And you could tell him what's wrong with his legs. He said, sure, come in. He came in. I, we sat over there, I, right over here at Community Hospital. And uh, we, he, he was on, on the, in one of those little rooms, you know. And, and he said to him, he said, um, he said uh, Pastor Moffat, you definitely need both knees replaced. He said, and um, I looked at the x-rays. They did all the x-rays, you know. And, uh, and, and when we were signing and registering, it was really crazy because the lady said, so do you have insurance? I said, no, he lives in Africa. You know, and they, it was, they were flipping out. And, uh, and then the doctor came by. and said, oh, he's a special case. Let him in. And then he looked at his knees and he held him and he said, well, doctor, what can you do? And he said, I can repair this. I can repair this. Now, I, didn't, I left something out. While he was here, he also had a friend over here in Cicero, a pastor who has um, a, a church, but he's a, he, you know, he does work. He's a, he's a bivocational pastor. So he does work. He cuts wood for his uh, church and all that. And then he also pastors the church, right? Well, he's cutting wood. and Well, Moffat, the president of, of, of this movement, goes over and for two weeks cuts wood with this guy, firewood, all day long for two weeks. And when he's holding the wood, he's dropping the wood sometimes on his leg and, and got kind of cuts all up and down his leg. The doctor said, what, what's going on here? What's, what's this with the legs? And he said, well, he said, I've been cutting wood, my friend. Like that. And he said, stop cutting wood. You know, because he said, you're hurting your legs worse. So he stopped cutting wood. Well, here's the end of the story. Moffat got, <clears throat> Moffat got uh, put into the hospital uh, on July 4th, three years ago. And uh, he actually had both knees replaced, no cost to him, 100% rehab taken care of, hospital. The hospital fell in love with Moffat. And here's, here's, the, here's the key thing. I said to, I, I, I said to Moffat, he, he had both knees done at the same time. There were other people who had just had one knee replaced. And they were all, he was so encouraging to everybody. He would go like this. He's a great African chief type guy. He goes, okay, brothers, let's go. One, two, okay, and the whole board just was just fired up by this guy, and uh, and this is what he said. The, the doctor said, "How do you how do you think that you got through so strong to be able to stand?" He was quicker than anybody else in the hospital, and he didn't say, "Oh, the Holy Spirit." He didn't say, "Oh, it's because uh, it, it's because uh, God's favors on my life." He said, "Because I cut wood." See, he got strong. See, while he was on hold, he kept fast, continued to work, continued to believe, continued to say, I'm going to make this happen. He didn't go run and lay back and relax. He stepped up to the plate. The word of the Lord for us today is this. If you feel like you're on hold, stand fast and live for Christ. Come on. Amen. My wife's a preaching machine, man. She's a prophet machine, too. And uh, back in the day when she started being called to preach, women weren't allowed to do that in church. And uh, God started speaking to her and said, prepare messages anyway. And when God finally lifted that off and began to introduce women into ministry, and uh, all of a sudden people said, maybe they can do something. 
My wife was ready. She had messages ready that God had put in her hearts three years earlier. See, when you think you're on hold, stand fast and believe for God. Number two, when you think you're on hold, seize discernment in the midst of many voices. He says here, he says, now watch out, verse, uh, let's see, where is it? Verse 8, he said, the Lord goes up, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to the dreams you got because of the result of pizza last night. <laughs> Too much chicken wings can make you dream, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't be listening to everything that comes your way. See, one of the things that happens to us Christians a lot of times, when we're on hold, we're in a hurry for a fresh word. But it may, we're so rushing it that sometimes we miss God's word because we're listening to the word we want to hear. Hello? I didn't say that in the first service. Are you with me? Sometimes we're so hungry that we don't listen to the clear crystal word of the Lord. We go after a word that scratches our itch. And it's in the midst of that. He said, don't even listen to your own dreams because it's not my word. Faith comes by Hearing the word of the Lord, not somebody else's word. Not your favorite preacher's word. I'm good, but not my word. (laughs) Not your favorite TV evangelist's word. The word of the Lord. And sometimes we just keep running and we, and, and believe me, Christians, there's enough wackos out there that want to give you a word that's not from God because they really believe sometimes innocently that they've heard from God because they want to be encouraging. And I think we should be encouraging, but don't call it a word from God. That's one of the things I'm, I just want to say this. We've been with these two for a while. When they were youth pastors, we were around. <laughs> and they're tested and tried. Don't run to some meeting somewhere. Now it's dial a prophet, pay 50 bucks, and get a fresh word. Come back if you do that and submit that word to these guys. If you get a word from the Lord, submit it to leadership who understand the foundation of his word. Now, I don't think they're the only ones that will give you a word. You might be getting a word from God right now and ignoring what I'm saying. That's okay for you to ignore what I'm saying if God's speaking to you. But don't rush to everyone to get a word. Wait upon the Lord, and he will renew your strength. And he will speak. Because faith comes by hearing a regurgitated word from T.J. Jakes. No. Faith comes by hearing a word, a now word, not a word 20 years ago. God wants to speak to you fresh today. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 said this, when you're really struggling, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. There should be enough of God in us that when we're really going through it, when we haven't heard God speak, that we hold fast to that which is what we know best. And this is what I know best. Is his written word. Number one, stand fast and live for Christ. Number two, seize discernment in the midst of many voices. Number three, savor the thoughts that God has for you. 
This is where that verse comes in now. Listen to what he says. For I know the thoughts that I have and I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future. Isn't it cool? I mean, when I read that and I prepared my message for you, I, I, I just was overwhelmed by this thought that God is thinking about me. Like he got up this morning and said, I'm thinking about you. Let me tell you what happened. On the way over here this morning, um, uh, God was thinking about a couple of friends of mine. I found out one of, his, one of them's in Hawaii, and he didn't tell me. I want to be there. But this friend um, has a, a son who is a homosexual, and he's a pastor. The other friend I wrote to as well, so this is, listen to what I said. I, I, I said their names. I said, this is God thinking about you. I'm riding down 90 with my wife, minding my own business, thinking about coming here to preach. And God, in the middle of riding down the road, I dictated into my phone. I did not text it. I said, in light of the Supreme Court, as I'm going down the road like this, and my wife is freaking out. She's telling them right now. Listen to what I read. In light of the Supreme Court decision ruling, now remember, this gentleman here loves God as much as me if not more than me. But for whatever reason, his son has chosen an alternate lifestyle. And I said, listen, in light of the Supreme Court ruling, I'm sure right now you're facing spiritual warfare on the inside and on the outside when you see the behavior of brothers and sisters in Christ. Just to let you know, Carol and I are standing with you and believing that you will be a model of love to those, all of those who don't know the pain that you even face. I love you, and we love you, and appreciate you. Chris, you have no idea what that word meant to me. I just got it during worship. It's a journey that I never thought I would ever take. And it's in this journey, I feel like I'm in the crucible to be transformed. Our daughter is getting married, and all of us are in Hawaii for the wedding. And my son is coming today. Thanks, you have no idea the encouragement you gave me. Now, how did that happen? Because God was thinking about my friend and he put him on my heart because he knows the thoughts that he has for us. God is thinking about you. And it's amazing, isn't it? He's thinking about you. I know the thoughts I have for you. So savor the thoughts that he has for you. Well, Chris, his thoughts are so much higher than mine. That's right. But that doesn't mean we can't attain to them. Because he gives us the mind of Christ. So though his thoughts are higher, I want to attain to his thoughts by having the thinking of Christ, the mind of Christ. Amen? So number one, turn to somebody and say, stand fast for Christ. Turn to somebody else that you like and say, seize discernment in the midst of many voices. Right, many voices out there. Number three, turn to somebody you left out. Savor the thoughts that God has for you. And the last one, the last one is this. In the midst of waiting, seek God with all your heart. Seek God with all your heart. Let me, let me read it. It says this. For I know the thoughts I have you, verse 12, 11. Now, verse 12. When you do that and you call on me and pray to me, I will listen to you. Isn't that neat that he's listening? And then he says this. And, I, and you will seek me and find me when you, watch it, here it is. When you search with me 
or for me with all your heart. Search God with all your heart. Now, let me explain what I think he's saying here. Most of you right now in captivity to Babylonians are seeking freedom. But I'm saying seek me. God is taking me on a journey right now to seek his face, not just his hand. He's taking me on a journey personally. He says, right now, I know, Chris, you, you want your sons to, to have this kind of relationship with their girlfriends, and that's my, my hand. But he says, seek my face, and you'll get my hand. See, I think many of us seek his hand and miss his face. And this is what he said of Moses. You are a friend that's face to face. And I want to be a friend of God. We sing it. I am a friend of God. (laughs) You don't like my dancing? We say it, man. But what we do really is, is I want something from God. I want something from God. No, no, come on. I want to be a friend of God. The psalm says it this way. There are some that knew the acts of God, but his people and Moses knew the ways of God. I don't want to just know his acts. I want to know his ways. So in the midst of waiting, seek his face. Stand with me if you would. Turn to somebody you like and say, that was good. Yeah. Hey, I consider it a real honor to be here. And it's not everywhere you get background music while you're closing. And I love it. Turn it up. It makes me more Pentecostal. There. You feel it? If you raise your hands right now, they'll think we're charismatic. Come on, let's go. Hey, how many right here right now would say, I know that in my life I'm on hold? Come on, raise your hand. Keep it up there. Keep it up. Now, some of you are half Christian here. Raise your other hand if you know that God is the answer to your holding pattern. Yeah, that's true. And so here's what I'm going to say to you prophetically. Stand fast and live for Christ. Stand fast and live for Christ. Don't listen to every voice that comes your way. Listen to his voice. Embrace the thoughts that he has for you. And then last but not least, seek him with all your heart. Amen? Can I pray for you? And when I finish praying, that means we're done. And you can beat the Methodist to the bonanza. But here we go. Let's pray. That's going back a few years. Moving on. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name, if you really want something here, let's raise our hands. If you don't raise your hands, raise your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we're calling out to you right now. We're not looking for your hand right this minute. We're looking for your face. We want to be a friend of God. And God, I pray right now for these folks that are on hold. We're a little bit light, joking around, but there's some serious situations in this room. And you know the thoughts you have for them. I pray you would come and be a comforter to them. And Lord, though the fulfillment might not be today, 
that they would not lose sight of standing fast for you. I pray, Lord, that you would give them a real word, not just a dream from pizza. But, Lord, that you would give them a sense of your presence in the midst of waiting. And that the word that we said at the end, when you seek with all your heart, we will find you. Thank you, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.